You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Stage Left, a bi-monthly podcast where we talk about the latest shows on Broadway and beyond. I'm your host, Rob Russo, writer, theater critic, and founder of StageLeft.NYC, and co-host and co-producer of the Fabulous Invalid podcast, also on the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast provides a platform for millennial and Gen Z age critics and theater journalists with the goal of broadening the cultural discussion to elevate and include as many diverse perspectives as possible. I'm dying to know what's across the road, what's behind the wall, what's around the corner, and what will it take till I find my way? Will it be today? Will it be too late? Joining me this week for our first episode ever are Casey Mink, senior staff writer at Backstage, and Ayanna Prescott, theater critic and founder of Our BK Social. Welcome to Stage Left. Yay! Thanks for having us. I'm so delighted that you're the guinea pigs for (laughs) this new series, and um, really excited that we're all together to talk about three really cool shows. So mm-hmm. um, looking ahead, I think as the season progresses, we'll be more up to date with like the latest shows that have opened. But because we're recording at the end of the year, beginning of the year, um, it's kind of a quieter moment for new openings. So we're going to dip back into the fall schedule a little and talk about um, three shows that were quite notable. Uh, first, we'll talk about Slave Play and then Our Dear Dead Drug Lord. And we'll finish with Jagged Little Pill. Uh, As I was thinking about putting together this episode, I picked these three because they seemed interesting to me. But also, it's funny, uh, in reflecting on them, all three are kind of like bastions of trigger warnings, right? Like all three (laughs) have become like known for having that little warning before you walk into the theater. Um, Or not having it too much to some people's dismay. That's right. Right. Maybe perhaps needing one, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. Well, then let's dive right in. Um, Mm -hmm. First play we'll talk about is Slave Play. Oh. <laughs> I love that reaction. Oh, cool. Well, um, for those who don't know, uh, this is sort of a play that's made a lot of waves, came uh, from off-Broadway, premiered, will premiere at New York Theatre Workshop downtown in the East Village back in 2018, um, where it was like an instant sold-out sensation, and then uh, some intrepid producers brought it to Broadway this fall, where it mm-hmm. opened back in October. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, ouch. Awful. <laughs> Awful. And I think I'm the only theater person who thinks it's like the worst show on Broadway. Wow. wow. Okay, great. Well, this is <laughs> this is why we do the podcast. What, um, so, yeah. So explain a little bit more about that. When I go to a Broadway show or theater in general, I like to connect with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in this show, I didn't connect with anything. And I found Kanisha's character to be awful. She, mm-hmm. the portrayal of the angry black woman stayed with her the entire two and a half hours. I didn't know why she was angry. Do you guys know why she was angry? Like, was trying to figure that out. Mm. Um, And that never came to be at the end. Even with her, like, 15-minute monologue, I didn't get anything fed to me. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Right, right. I mean, the word that everyone uses to describe this show is provocative. Mm -hmm. Right to the extent that that word has kind of lost all meaning in reference to this show, it definitely is is intentionally subversive, let's say. It's meant to incite strong feelings. Mm -hmm. But I didn't get anything out of it. I feel like even if you incite something, if you do, if you, Jeremy O'Hara's, 
is a brilliant writer. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I feel like this show, um, opposed to Daddy that I've seen, I think Daddy was phenomenal. And I really, think, yeah, I could not. Stand. <laughs> <laughs> if Jeremy happens to be listening to this, sorry, but <laughs> um, well, it's interesting. I mean, so you know, for folks who don't know the setup of the show, right? right. Um, it's um, a, a bit of a, a like a satire. Is that the right word? Yeah, um, that's the word that he uses. That yeah. he uses, perfect. Yeah, I mean, set up around this this imagined form of therapy called um, antebellum sexual performance therapy, right? right? Yes. Where three interracial couples are in this sort of retreat. Uh, yeah. And uh, the first, it's like generally third of the play, you're witnessing them engaged in a therapy called slave play, mm -hmm. lowercase right. s, lowercase right. p, right? And then at a certain point, that ends, and it becomes sort of a, a session where they talk about their feelings and their experiences. Um, and a lot is unearthed in the course of that yes. conversation that mm -hmm. people have called it provocative. And it's funny, you know, I, I, in my review, I even said this, that I called it provocative when I first saw it downtown. Sure. And then upon reflection, I was like, well, what's actually provocative about this play is that we would call it provocative mm -hmm. right. for me personally, because, right. you know, what I liked about the show, and of course, I'm saying this from the perspective of a white gay mm -hmm. man who's seeing it, right? So mm -hmm. I'm bringing who I am to the piece, right? Um, is that, you know, as a country, we don't talk about our racial history mm -hmm. well, right. as much as we should, which is like, right. should be all the time because it colors every aspect of our society. And what I liked about this play is that to me, it at least prompts a conversation mm -hmm. about things that we don't talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. And the issue is, I mean, I remember when it did open downtown, so many of the critics, most of whom are white yes. men, cis white men, mm -hmm. all said, I don't think we're, I love this play and I don't think we're supposed to be talking about it. And I mean, what that reflects is just who's writing about plays. Right. And I mean, it's all just circuitous. And I mean, whether or not you love it or loathe it, would you agree that it has sparked conversations that maybe we wouldn't otherwise be having? Um, I've been having these conversations all my life. I don't yeah. know if it's in particular because I'm a black woman, but I've been having these conversations with co-workers, with right. staff that I have. Um, so it's not something new to me in particular. Right. So I don't know um, if I was a white person seeing this play, right. how different it would be. Also, that made me extremely uncomfortable because I saw it on a day where it was predominantly a white audience. And that's every day, by the right. way. Right. Right. That's, not, that's not a Wednesday or Thursday thing. That's every Broadway show, every yeah. single day and night. Right. Yeah, it was just it's also the, un the uncomfortableness of that yeah. and what mm. they were laughing at and what they took as funny. I don't know if that's starting the conversation that I want in mm -hmm. particular. Right. No, um, well, that's, I mean, that's why you're on the show and that's why, you know, yeah. that's why we're having this conversation mm -hmm. because, you know, it, it brings to mind in a way the 2016 election, right? How a lot mm -hmm. of white people, you know, were shocked, were shocked right? <laughs> and a lot of black and brown people were like, okay, welcome yeah, right. to the club because this <laughs> right. is our experience every day. Right. Right. Or um, like when things happen, you know, something's happening at the border and people say, this is not America. It's right. like, no, I'm pretty no, sure this is exactly yeah. America Absolutely. to a T. Exactly. And it always has been. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, you know, I, I was talking to a, a theater journalist friend of mine who we were talking about Slave Play, and he said that. The segment of people who have most, uh, you know, expressed their disapproval of it are black women. I've mm -hmm. heard that too. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it, you know, and I think Jeremy has has received some criticism on, mm -hmm. you know, for yeah. his writing of the character of Kenesha, mm -hmm. which you referenced earlier. 
Um, and this idea of, of the angry black woman as a trope. I don't know theater. if he's trying to hear us, though, because mm. it was a group of us who tweeted about it. Mm. And I feel like he like searches slave play um, in particular. On oh, Twitter. He's a self-searcher for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because anytime myself or another black woman who I've spoken with about mm -hmm. this show talk about the reasons why we disapprove it or feel un very uncomfortable or feel offended even. Um, I feel like he comes back with something that's not listening to us, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. as of, well, my play is good and it's made it to Broadway. Right. We're thankful mm -hmm. that you're a young black man, young black gay man who has made it to Broadway. We're grateful. But, you know, hear us out. Hear what we're saying. Well, on that point, I mean, I do think um, that it is quite notable that this play is even on Broadway. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. and that's something, sure. you know, you just said, to celebrate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and hopefully we see more and more mm -hmm. plays yeah. <laughs> by, by black writers, by young, young people. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact of his youth is something that I feel like has not really been talked about Absolutely. Enough. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I don't know if it hasn't been talked about enough. <laughs> I mean, I think it's definitely been talked about a lot. I also think that there is... An, this will certainly factor into the other two plays that we will discuss. But I definitely think there is this narrative around young male geniuses. Mm. And actually, whenever I've interviewed Lee Silverman a couple times, and that's something that she brings up a lot because I always ask her, you know, things in the realm of advice for aspiring young female directors. Mm -hmm. And she is just very honest about the fact that there is no uh, equivalent for women. There's this sort of... There's just this ideology around around a wonderkind that works for men, which isn't to say I I do love the play. I don't think I've said it, but I do love the play, and I think Jeremy is brilliant. But I don't think there's he's been profiled by every single outlet right. on the planet. You yeah, know, that's real. And he had two plays in New York in the span of six months before he you know had finished matriculating at um, Yale and. I mean, yeah, I think that people talk about his right, age yeah. quite a bit, That's which fair. is amazing. I yeah. think there should be more young young writers and directors, mm -hmm. always. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it calls to mind, and again, it makes, to make another political point, this is staged left, so, you know, that's a little intentional, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, it's like in looking at political candidates, how uh, women I, are judged for what they've done, uh, and men are judged for what they promised to do, mm -hmm. right? Well, Biden's not judged on either. <laughs> <laughs> or, exactly, oh or they God. completely ignore. But I guess right. that's another podcast. <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, I mean, to close out this this uh, this segment of the show, I also love Slight Play, and it's, it's a critic's pick on my on my site, um, and I and I think the the number one reason that I do really love the play is precisely because of the conversation that I think it sparks. And again, as a white person, right. these are conversations that I'm not used to having. And right. It to me unearths a lot of things that I've never thought about, mm -hmm. um, particularly regarding interracial couples. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's that's just a whole dimension of race yeah. and mm -hmm. sex and sexuality mm -hmm. that I had never really thought critically about. So um, that's something that I found in the play. But again, if again, if you've had those conversations mm -hmm. your whole life, that I totally exactly. understand how, it's how it might not be as, as mm -hmm. shattering for you right, to, right. to see that reflected on stage. So I guess it's good in that point where it's making um, white people think a little differently. The yeah. mirrors were very intentional. And not, not right. that I can speak for <laughs> white people, but we need to think. Yeah. Know? And I'm glad you brought the mirrors. <laughs> the mirrors. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we, haven't, we haven't talked about the production itself, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think yeah, the it's amazing. design of it is... Well, and there's absolutely. Rihanna lyrics yeah. <laughs> plastered above the stage, which is... I mean, she's featured prominently. I guess we've already spoiled the whole, sh the whole yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> damn it's thing. Yeah. The other thing I do want to say about the play, because I saw it downtown, yes. and that was when it was still really secretive, and mm -hmm. I walked out just in a total haze. 
and I completely forgot until I saw it again uptown that it's really fucking funny. Yes. It's very mm-hmm. funny. I mean, obviously, you have a lot of issues with it, so you probably yes. weren't laughing that much. But <clears throat> the the actor character... Yes. Who's... James Cassati moyer Yes. Is the actor. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. He's He has a monologue that, especially working out backstage, we're all about actors. Mm-hmm. That was... It was a great actor's moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny, too, because, you know, I did see it downtown and then seeing it on Broadway. Um, when it translated from a you know, New York Theater workshop, which is really small, maybe 200 seats, to a Broadway house, 200. the smallest or one of the smallest Broadway houses, mm-hmm. but still, you know, by multiple sizes, mm-hmm. uh, times bigger, um, the the production under the direction of Robert O'Hara, who's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, brilliant, uh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely Amazing. brilliant. Um, got broader to fill the space, I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that monologue in particular, I, yeah, didn't, I, I don't remember being as struck by it downtown as I was uptown. Oh, yeah, he's uh, milking that yes. monologue. Oh, yes. It's a good oh, yes, moment. Yes. I like that every character, regardless of the substance of it, has a moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's a true ensemble piece yeah. in that regard. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And those mirrors. I mean, anytime you walk into a theater and you see mirrors, you know, mm-hmm. okay, we're about to be indicted as an audience. Well, yeah. <laughs> except one of my favorite musicals, if you follow me on Twitter, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, you know that I love If Then. That, that oh. very bad Gina Renzel well, yes, musical. Was a, yeah. And there were mirrors in that, and that was... I think that was simple. This, that design was actually the same mirrors from Three Tall Women. I yeah. could be wrong, but it, <laughs> well, I it's think also it's also the, the Golden exact, Theater, right? Yeah, yeah. They left over the mirrors. Just, yeah, yeah, they just yeah, catch yeah, them sure. backstage. Right. Like, These will come in handy again. But just the, the brilliance of that metaphor, because in on the along the mezzanine is the McGregor plantation, right? Mm-hmm, a, right. A, I think it's a drawing of the, or is it a picture? I think it's a, it's an actual picture. I actually actual visited picture. that okay. plantation. Okay, so it's a um, real, yeah. Two months before I saw this place, so it was. Oh my god, it's in New Orleans, so it's a little. Awkward. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. But I think the it's idea like the Oak of, Valley Plantation or something like that. Of of the audience wow. looking forward, but not escaping the past. Right. Right. And literally everywhere you look, that plantation is looking back at you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I thought that was just we such have a to look striking, at our own dumb faces yeah, the whole time. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Alrighty. So let's move on <laughs> to the second play we wanted to talk about. Uh, which Casey, I know, is just <laughs> bursting with excitement. When I asked her to come on the show, she was like, can we please talk about this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really did ask <laughs> to talk about this um, So our dear dead drug lord, oh, kick us phenomenal. off. Oh, our dear <laughs> dead drug lord. So <clears throat> I actually missed it in its first few months of its run. And thankfully, it extended and I got myself up there. Because there's so much. We talked about yeah, this. There's yeah, just so, so much, much to, to see, see. And you ha- you can't get to everything. But I'm... So glad I ultimately did not miss this play because it's wild. It's <laughs> absolutely insane. The last 15 minutes, I had my hands just like clasped to my face because it is so <laughs> intense. And yeah, we were talking about trigger warnings. I mean, certainly they apply here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to like give everything away about it, but I mean, it's about smart, passionate high school girls, and we certainly don't have enough of that. (laughs) Absolutely. At that age. Yes. Yeah. Again, young girls who are, and this is the same of of Jagged Little Pill, girls in high school who are engaged politically, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's not unusual. I was very active politically in high school. Like, I didn't turn 18. I was like, I think I'm going to figure out this voting thing. Right. Like, no, I knew what was happening. You were ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was ready. Also, yeah. yeah, I cared. I got in arguments with my 
conservative teachers. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and depictions of that, I mean, across the board in the arts, film, and television, but especially in theater, we do not have enough of that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in that way, this show is very much in conversation with Jag Littlefield, <laughs> but also with a show I, I'm a fan of called What the Constitution Means to Me. Yes. And I'm not going to come on a podcast and not talk about what the Constitution <laughs> means to it's me. It's a rule. We must always talk about <laughs> yeah, what the Constitution means like, to me. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I take that compliment <laughs> personally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like <clears throat> high school girls being smart and advocating for themselves is not uncommon. I don't it's understand not. why it's so uncommon in, in arts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you, your, your experience at the play is exactly my experience at the play, which is it was on my list of shows I wanted to see this yeah. fall. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know about you, but like September and October was just nuts this it year. Yeah, Everything opened, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> this is like, usually so in April. Great you know? stuff. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I was really like, remember stuff. when the fall was less busy than yeah. the spring? That well, was not Broadway this year. Yes. I feel like off Broadway was so hot. It so was so robust. hot. Yeah, yes. it was like blazingly hot in the best way. There was so much amazing stuff, but yeah. I couldn't see it. But anything. then this mm-hmm. extended, I think, more than once. Mm-hmm. and then Three times. Yeah, three yeah. times. Mm-hmm. There you go. And so I finally had a chance to see it. I was so excited yeah. because it, was, you know, it had been on my list. And I'm, I can't imagine not having seen this play now. After oh my seeing God. It, right? You know, my like. tweets alone. I know. Like, <laughs> I've had to. I tweeted almost at, immediately after seeing it that I was mad that I had done my top 10 list of 2019 before yeah. I saw it because That's I couldn't so include it because it probably would have been <laughs> yeah. in my top 10. Yeah. Um, but you've just touched on something that I think is um, so true and tragic, but also hopeful about this play, which <laughs> yeah. is that, you know, it is a depiction of young teenage girls, right? Um, and. It's almost like in the past three to five years, the theater world has suddenly realized, oh, there's this like half of society called women. Maybe mm-hmm. we should tell their stories. Maybe this coincides with the right? crazy thing right. that happened yeah. in 2016. Right? And then there's a, there's a portion of these women who are yes. teenagers and younger you know, girls. And oh, you know, maybe they have something interesting right. to well, say. Also, maybe they go to the theater and buy tickets. Well, that too, right. yeah. And I feel like this play in particular was packed with so many issues, mm. but it yeah. didn't feel overwhelming. Yes. Mm. There's some shows like, yeah. <laughs> we will get to. We yeah. We're on the same page yeah. here. Yeah. You were I just feel like, yeah, we're, we're going to get there in a moment, but um, yeah. I just feel like this was constructed so well yes. where it didn't feel overwhelming. Yes. Um, I had said this before the podcast had started that a friend of mine said this was like the craft on steroids. Um, and I truly believe, like after seeing That's it, I'm good. like, wow, yeah, this totally is. It's beyond mm-hmm. just um, connecting with the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's there's so many issues. You guys have to see this yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's written by, I mean, a young woman, Alexis Shear, directed by a young woman, Whitney White. Whitney White. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's voices that we have not seen on stage mm-hmm. before. And it's just, you see something like this that is so finely crafted mm-hmm. and also thrilling and exhilarating mm-hmm. and fun. And you just wonder, like, what... Why Why are we waiting so long to right. make this commonplace? Yeah. Why is every single teen musical about a sad, white straight, boy. white mm. boy? Jeez. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, the, the, the coming of age of boys is, like, so mythologized, right? It's, like, oh the backbone God. of our media, right? <laughs> like, and I'm so 
tired of it. I like yeah. Dear Evan Hansen like everyone else. Sure. Fine. Yeah. I'm so tired of musicals being crafted around a boy who is sad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lame. Okay. Also, and why are shows like this still just off Broadway? Right. Like we need right. to bring it to right. well, I mean, broader I audiences. As I reflect <laughs> on the last years of my theater going, yeah. the show I mean, a lot of the shows that pop out are shows like Sarah Delaps the Wolves oh. or Claire Barron's Dance Nation. Oh my God, both of those. Or Aziza Barnes's Blacks, you're which just, is an MCC just, theater. Yeah, right? Listen, I mean, Blacks right. needs to be a Netflix series. Oh, yes. Like, yes. I just wrote my review. It just needs to be a series. I want to live with those girls, right? <laughs> exactly. why, didn't, why didn't that transfer? Why didn't that right. move? I mean, we know the logistical reasons why it didn't. But yeah, right. Truly, tell me why, why that's not getting buoyed and, and mo- moved to a bigger audience. Right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, I it's know paging producers, right? Yeah, right. I mean, well, and that's also who are the producers? <laughs> right. Most of them are white men, mm-hmm. and they bring the stories that they want to see to Broadway. We get right. a millionth man at Revival starring whatever. <laughs> like, right. Or another jukebox musical. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And it's, <clears throat> I mean, audiences are ready for it. Clearly, mm-hmm. we're ready Clearly. for it. Yeah, I mean, th- this play, you know, mm-hmm. extended three times, mm-hmm. has run over 100 performances. Mm-hmm. At, you know, a small which theater, is a huge which is a big deal for an off-Broadway mm-hmm. show. Yes. Many Broadway shows closed before then. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Huge feat for That's an off-Broadway show. I mean, oh it, was a, it was a moment to celebrate. I, when I saw the news story, I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Feet. How incredible. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to um, publicist extraordinaire Nicole Capitasto, who mm. they... Matt Ross PR took over the show actually like halfway through the run because it extended so much yeah. and they got on board and were like, no, we're going to we're going to give this we're going to shower this show and make it a thing. And they totally have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I well, I just absolutely loved it. Unfortunately, it, it will have closed by the time this airs, mm, which is sad. But maybe it'll extend again. <laughs> well, right? or maybe somewhere else. Somewhere right. else. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like a piece that would be primed to be done in yeah. theaters around the country. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know if a tour is possible, but like, you know, I could imagine a lot of theaters. Yeah. Wanting yeah. To do something like yeah this. And also just a cast of, you know, what is it? Five, five women. That's easy. Yeah. I mean, everybody. But I love them part. in particular. Yes. Like, these women were all of phenomenal. Them, all oh of them are gosh. fresh mm-hmm. out of college. Crazy. Wow. Most of their New York debuts. Yeah. Crazy nuts. Yeah, no, I, I was blown away by their performance. Yeah, for sure. So naturalistic. So naturalistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, and, and the play for those who didn't get a chance to see it, um, you know, is set in a in a treehouse. Yeah. Where these girls so are good. are meeting for their 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 school sanctioned club, the, right. the Dead Leaders Club. Right, right. Where they each semester or each year they <laughs> they they pay tribute or study up on a different dead leader. Mm-hmm, right. And the current be leader like a of the group. Yeah. <laughs> the current leader of the group has decided that Pablo Escobar is going to be so the leader so that they profile. Right. So that alone, that setup mm-hmm. alone. Right. And it's then perfect. just, yeah. The set design, first of all, is phenomenal for yeah. a small theater. Oh, like yes. they used every inch of the stage yes. and it was, Completely phenomenal. You felt like you were in Miami. Yep. You felt like you were in a treehouse. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Well, and WP Theater, Women's Project Theater, right? I yeah. Mean, this is their forty first season, of you know. So vital. So vital. But then it's like okay, again, most people, you know, the average, even the average theater goer, doesn't really know anything about WP Theater, and it's like right. because it doesn't get the 
praise and attention mm-hmm. that it should because it's about and by women. Wow, yeah. Shocking. Well, and that's one of the reasons <laughs> I started this podcast, right? Is yeah. So that we can so good. be another platform Thank to you, try Rob. to like, you know, boo. I'm not looking for praise, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like to boo. Takes a white man. <laughs> it does, right? Yeah. Uh, but just to buoy these, you know, groups uh, and these, yeah. you know, companies that people might not know about or, yeah. or shows right. like this that, right. that are kind of under the radar unless you're right. really tuned in to, you know, what's going on in New York. And shout out to the Kilroys in that vein, which every year, do you know the Kilroys? No, I don't know the Kilroys. You know the Kilroys? No. Oh, oh the Kilroys. Oh, my God. You guys don't <laughs> educate, educate us, us, please. The Kilroys is an organization that every year um, releases, basically, mm-hmm. they find, they scout emerging female playwrights or oh, that's amazing. female playwrights, um, women identifying playwrights, mm-hmm. uh, gender non-binary, basically any non-cis male <laughs> playwrights. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of those playwrights go on to, you know, be produced and it's just a way to magnify these voices that unfortunately yeah. struggle to get traction more so than the millionth Arthur Miller production right. we're going to do this year. Yeah, no, it's so real. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, Tennessee a, Williams. it's a testament to the fact that, like, unfortunately, in order to change the existing, like, structure <laughs> of the way the world is, yeah. We have to be intentional about mm-hmm. making that change. We can't mm-hmm. just sit back and say, "Oh, you know, let 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 it happen," because it won't happen. Because that's right. why that's why it doesn't happen, I right? I mean, and you need a group like like the Kilroy. This is why, like, I know I'm so insufferable on Twitter. Oh my god! But <laughs> no, we love you on but, Twitter, right? Casey. No, I mean, it's hot Casey Mink, but <laughs> but like. <clears throat> At least I use it because I need to call out the millionth yeah. male written, directed, composed musical right. of the season. It's just, yeah. it fucking pisses me off. It Shout out to me. Hades Town. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to oh Hades Town. <laughs> Thank you. First musical to ever win Best Musical Tony Award that's written and directed by Fire women. Woman. 2019. Mm-hmm. It took go. till 2019. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, perfect segue <laughs> to yeah. the third show that yeah. we're going to talk about, uh, which is written, directed, and music by women. women. And that is uh, Jagged Little Pill. Uh-huh. Uh, so um, there's a lot that I like about this show, mm-hmm. I have to admit. Um, my, my review um, was sort of like, you know, it's like the hardest type of review to write, which is the mixed review. Uh, mm-hmm. Because there was a lot that, yeah. I, that I took issue with or was sort of like, confounded with, not like in an angry way, just in a like, really? Kind mm-hmm. of way uh, about this yeah. show. But what I loved about this show, I will say, is precisely what we've talked about now multiple times, right? Which right. is that it is a story that is anchored by women. Mm-hmm. Um, there are men, and there are, you know, there's a ton of plot lines in this show. Right. And the men have their plot lines, but kind of who <laughs> cares, right? So, yeah. um, because 100%. the most interesting stories in this musical are, and there's multiple ones, but I would say Mary Jane, the mother, who's dealing with drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, Frankie, the daughter, who's dealing with her own um, sort of, you know, personal, political, um, racial, and sexual awakening and yeah. sort of figuring all that out as an adopted uh, daughter um, in a white family, and she's African-American. Yeah. And then um, the character of Bella, yeah. who is a victim, of not a victim, but a survivor, mm-hmm. I should correct myself, of sexual assault. And to put yeah. a fine point on it, rape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And to see those stories intersecting on stage in a Broadway, in a big budget, mm-hmm. highly budget. anticipated <laughs> Broadway musical is, I mean, it shouldn't be revelatory, but it is. But because it is. Mm-hmm. when do you see that, right? So that's, Absolutely. I mean, top line, what I liked about this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about, what it's really about is female rage, mm. <laughs> which, mm-hmm. I mean, again, like what the Constitution means to me, but it's, 
so infuriating having to go through life every day as a woman just on a on a myopic scale and on a much broader scale I mean politically or just on the train when someone looks at you for way too goddamn long like Mm -hmm. it's just so infuriating being a woman I'm sure you feel (laughs) this way yeah and again again where are the depictions of female rage Mm -hmm. of women's rage Mm. in our theater I just liked the subtle um, notes that this show portrayed, um, i.e., the f- I think in the first scene, um, I'm sorry, what's the young girl's name again? Frankie. 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 Yes. Frankie um, she had on shorts. And as a black woman with these shorts, it's different from when a white woman, and we've, I, I feel like black women have been talking about clothes um, for the longest. But she had on these American Eagle shorts. Mm-hmm. And if a white woman was were to have on those shorts, it would be different on how a white person would take the outfit. So her mom is telling her, you don't need to be wearing those shorts. And mm-hmm. she's like, it's my body. Mm-hmm. I have curves. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Yeah. But they're just subtle moments in the show that I was like, oh, my God, this is not on a Broadway stage. Yeah. Especially um, at the end, the sign that said, believe black women. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, this is not on a Broadway stage, <laughs> yeah. like, at all for yeah. whatever the house has how many seats for them to see yeah. this. It's, Over yeah. a 1,000 probably. Yeah. Right? I think it's, like, 1,200 yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there were just little subtle moments. I do believe that the show is overpacked <laughs> with oh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> that's um, that's, a, that's yeah. another statement. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, so much going on. I yeah. felt um, yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah. But there were subtle subtle moments that I was like, wow, yeah, this is crazy. I think, sorry, I mean, I was just going to say, I think it definitely could have used one or two more out-of-town tryouts. (laughs) (laughs) Whittled that down a little bit, but I totally agree with everything that you said, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's, you know, it's a testament to Diablo Cody, the writer, who, if you know that name, it's from, you know, writing Juno, but she's, of course, written a bunch of other uh, great works. And, um, you know, I think the the team who had the idea of taking Dagger Little Pill and the Alanis Morissette songbook yeah. and making a musical mm-hmm. should be commended yeah. for yeah. not saying, okay, well, we'll do the Alanis Morissette bio musical. I'm or so glad. we'll find I'm some so movie glad. or some mm-hmm. play and we'll stick these songs into it and we'll shoehorn them in in some way. Mm-hmm. They decided to come up with an original story that is in conversation yes. with what's happening now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I mean, obviously the score is not original, but original stories period on Broadway not nearly enough yeah we get all. like one a season we get we get about one a season you know that literally have source yeah. material yeah. I mean everyone talks about the 2000 what was it 18 season it was you know the Spongebob Frozen yeah, Mean right. Girls season yeah. where everyone's like oh wow we are yeah. just we're out of ideas right yeah mm-hmm. and even the band's visit which was like the show the critical darling that year right. was based on a, a film, a film. Yeah. and yeah, I think it's always a good thing when original stories are being produced, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. especially when they're by women. And Diablo Cody's an amazing writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw to to put on my my grouch hat uh, about yeah, this show. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely I mean, imperfect. Yeah, I mean, I what what I struggle with is I mean, I I, I called it a a moving mood board <laughs> in my review um, because okay. yeah. like you know there were so many ideas thrown up, mm-hmm. right and. A lot of them so valid and interesting, mm-hmm. and, but like as you're going through the course of the show, there's just like conceptual whiplash happening because mm, yeah. you know you're having this like very like grounded book scene that has these notes of truth and reality in them mm-hmm. that are really exciting, and then suddenly there's this like ensemble of like hipster Brooklyn right. people mm-hmm. who emerge 
who are doing this like very abstract modern dance and you're like, what yeah. is happening? I, I felt bad. Where am I? I? Where am I? I completely. I felt bad. The, honestly, my main, I, I really commend the show for doing a lot of, just doing a lot. Right, doing a lot. And <laughs> I think a lot of, most of the performances are stellar. Catherine Gallagher. Yes, um, as Bella. As Bella, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And uh, Elizabeth Stanley yes, plays the, the mother. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's really, really hard to do a musical about such serious subjects. It just, at times, almost felt a little silly. Yeah. And that's mm. not what you want. When Especially you're, with When show. you're doing a show yeah. about I mean, assault and right. addiction. Right. You know, and, and addiction. And, mm-hmm. I did think the, the assault through line was very delicately sort of woven yeah. until we got to that scene with the, the scene with the protest and like... That Ooh, original yeah. song, that which is it's one of two original songs Alanis wrote for yes, the show. Yes. And it's just like has mm-hmm. no subtlety. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's also just, I mean, again, just sort of circling back to the trigger warning thing. It's not truthful to uh, uh, the way that assaults are typically handled. I mean, mm. as like mm-hmm. for survivors of assault, what you wouldn't want is a protest in your name right. <laughs> where everyone's right. chanting your name mm-hmm. because you came forward about something and they didn't believe you. And also those cases um, usually don't turn out well for the woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't love that. Yeah. yeah, I was following up to that point and I was like, oh, why did we go here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But again, I mean, yeah. um, we're talking about it. Yes. And it's a Broadway mm-hmm. musical that yeah. depicts a, a high school assault. I mean... Yeah. Okay. I did love CD's choreography. I yeah. thought okay. it was phenomenal. The mm-hmm. reverse dancing, yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that was she pulls the trash bag. Yeah, like, yeah. it was like, yeah. whoa! How did you do that? Um, and to do that every night is amazing to me. But it also brings me back to a show that was like this, that used um, Tupac's music, a Rose Group from Concrete. Oh. Yeah. And I'm just like, how did that not work? But this yeah. kind of mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm a little confused that. Like the jukebox musical, of what do we want? Do we want like an original story with a jukebox musical, or do mm-hmm. we want? And this show, like for the, the record, musical? is is making bank. It's doing really well. Well, Alanis Morissette's music, exactly right. right. So maybe right. I mean, maybe we just start there. We find the good, the best music. I mean, like the Tina Turner musicals on Broadway right now, and that sh- book isn't particularly. It's not good. It's not. It's not good. It's not good at all. It's not great. But Tina Turner's music is it's so timeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so okay. fire that yeah. you walk out of there and you're like, "That was amazing." Yeah. I don't even, frankly, care about whatever story. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah. The I mean, is so good. I think I think fans of the Alanis Morissette songbook, of which I consider myself one, mm-hmm. who does uh, it? Who does it? Right. <laughs> um, uh, will revel in the opportunity mm-hmm. to hear these songs so totally. well sung, so well mm-hmm. um, orchestrated. Uh, orchestrated. Tom Kidd is a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, Literally Tom Kidd. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, w- how does he do all the things he does, A? Right. He's, like, he involved wrote, in every wrote, musical. He wrote, he wrote the Adina Menzel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I've just She's hit all like, of my right? You've so done it. You've yeah. done it. Uh, um, to talk about Katrina Lank, and then yeah, we're done. No, 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 we're, we just did. You brought her up? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I did talk about fantasy. Oh, God. Yeah, no, so I think that that... The, the music aspect of it is is tremendous. Where where I fault the show is that I think sometimes the music is a, you know because it is so good um, yeah. reaches dramatic heights that like the story or the scenes Can't don't match, match mm. right. In particular, you ought yeah. to know, which is like the ultimate yes. rage anthem. Yes. And okay. it arrives in a point in the show where like the stakes to me were just so low no, tr- uh, a, or non-existent. A pretty 
like liminal character. I mean, yeah. she's great. What is her Lauren? Joe. Yeah. So Joe is the character in Lauren. Incredible. And yeah. she, the night I was there, which I'm sure was true for you too. She got a mid-performance standing ovation because Mm -hmm. everyone just loves that song so much and she sings it beautifully. Right. But I don't really know why she sang it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of no purpose because her mom made her wear a sweater to church. I mean, empty, like, though. like spoiler alert: she the, the the rage that brings on this song, which is so epic, is that like her kind of girlfriend slept with a boy once that she's known for like a week and yeah. ran away and it's like okay, well. Great, but like, right? I mean, I'd be pissed too. Right, but sure, like, <laughs> but is that, does that reach the level? Of- and they try and flesh out her character by saying, you know, that her mom is a homophobe. Right. And she made her wear that little sweater. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's ultimately because it's trying to do so much. Right. They are not, there's, about, not, enough, there's time. not enough time to flesh out that character. And therefore, time. that moment I felt like was kind of hollow. Yes. Yeah. I'm in the minority. I, mean, I didn't stand up. Casey, I didn't so stand I up didn't either. either. <laughs> and I called it hollow in my review. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it felt so unearned. Um, yeah. And Lauren Patton, amazing. Oh, she's amazing. phenomenal. She's mm-hmm, phenomenal. Truly. But she's just trapped in a moment that doesn't work. Um, yeah. But <laughs> also, that, that, that moment was another example of the conceptual whiplash. Suddenly, it becomes a concert. Quite literally. Yeah. Like concert lights lower. So the true. band moves yes. on stage. And you're like, where yeah. are we? I thought we were on a New York City stage. I didn't understand that. I don't, like, I like when bands are on stage, but the it, moments it, that they came in was. Right. Mood board. Mood board. Yeah. Board. I was just like, it's just fan service. Yes. And sometimes you got to do that. But that's, I feel like this musical has really tried to position itself as a, a salient story. Right. And that is, that moment, I think, really sort of epitomizes my. It, not issues with it, it's just why I'm not crazy about it. Right. Mm-hmm. I liked yeah. it. I had a fun time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. Same. I, I will say, I, you know, as, after being a little confounded the whole way through, in the end, I was like very moved. And I couldn't yeah, locate me too. where why? that came from. Mm-hmm. But like they sat down on that couch to bookend the show, and I was like, oh, I've been through a journey. <laughs> the moment yes i know there were people crying around me i didn't understand why there were certain moments but yeah Yeah. i think elizabeth stanley also is is doing amazing work someone else's hands that role would have been ridiculous 100 Mm -hmm. and if she doesn't get a tony nomination then Mm -hmm. oh she's got it i I already have my i will have my protest outside the tony no she's gonna be in that five don't worry yeah for sure i can tell you i'll tell you there's some eyebrows (laughs) over there amazing well um i think at that point we should wrap up our conversation um Thank you guys so much thank for you. joining me for this oh, first yeah. episode. Thank you. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening. Can you each share with our audience uh, how folks can find you and your work online? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, as I've mentioned way, way too many times already, <laughs> I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, that's Casey underscore Mink, and I share most of my stories that I feel like sharing on there. <laughs> um, but you can also find all of my work at uh, backstage.com. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at Ayana P A Y A N N A P or ourbksocial.com. Fabulous. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Just behind the wall, just around the corner, a new bit of history there, right? Something you all might underestimate. But wait till you see what's next. Just be Stage Left, the podcast, is a co-production of the Fabulous Invalid LLC and O&M Etc., and a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode was sound engineered by Dory Berenstein. You can find this podcast online at stageleft.nyc, on the Broadway Podcast Network website, on iTunes, and wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And as always, you can read my archive of reviews at stageleft.nyc, and you can find me on Twitter at stageleft underscore NYC. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll tune in next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.